1: It's Fizz Radio here on the score 1260. Cameron is air with Brad Klein on this double game day edition. Syracuse football and Syracuse men's basketball on tap. For today, And we're going to kick things off with football because that's just how the time works. Four o'clock football game, five o'clock basketball game. We promise we'll talk about it all here on this edition of Fizz Radio. And Brad, got to start with this football team, a group that many thought would clinch bowl eligibility against Louisville, got trounced 41 to three. The offense had a bad game. Defense had a worse game. Special teams is just continues to be awful. That's a nightmare. It has been. And now you're going into an NC State game where the atmosphere down in Raleigh is going to be electric toward the latter half of the season. On top of that, you're on the road. On top of that, you're coming off an awful loss. Can Syracuse clinch bowl eligibility, or do they have to hold out hope for coming home
0: against Pitt? Both are holding out hope. This is a really good NC State team. It's a really tough environment. If I'm a bending man, I'm not putting money on Syracuse to win this football game. But then again, you know, you think and we'll get into the football game specifically in a second. Odds they win one of these games seem to be respectable. Do you think so? They just need to win one. Right, and, but isn't that so, Syracuse, to tug yeah. at your heartstrings
1: and kind of rip after a bye week? when you thought, okay, this is when Syracuse can
0: finally calm down, get the juices flowing, and Yes. Right. And if you want numbers to prove your point, Dino Babers is five and fifteen in November. Ugh. And now he's two and seven coming off a bye. Two and seven off an off week.
1: And now it's against you know, you have two more chances against two ranked opponents yeah. and NC State is it's prowess at an all time high.
0: And I asked Dino you know, Babers after the Louisville game, hey. How do you feel about your chances to make a bowl game now that you basically just squandered your best chance? And he said, well, well, we played a top 25 team earlier in the season, Wake Forest, now number 10. Played them to three points. No reason we can't do that again. And if that's your logic, (laughs) you're in trouble. But I kind of feel like Syracuse has a chance to win at least one of these games and steal one. Going to be really tough to do it against NC State, though, because, man, this is a team that was kind of battered last year. Bailey Hockman was the quarterback. Devin Leary was hurt, kind of scrambling for an identity last year. And they come to the Dome, play pretty poorly, and still win. That felt like your best chance.
1: Right, but again, it was against an offense that really had no life during the season a season ago, right? So now you're going up against an offense that's shown that it can prove itself. You have pieces. You have an identity. You don't have Rex Culpepper where, oh, he could find his arm one day, right? You have Garrett Schrader who, you know, obviously had a poor game against Louisville. 15 yards in the air in the first half. Sean Tucker, though. He finished
0: with 46, Cameron. 46 yards, and his job is to throw the football.
1: And it wasn't like he had, and many could say, oh, well, he had a good rushing game. No, he didn't. Like, this is, he's been able to you know, compliment maybe his poor passing performance with a good rushing attack. But against Louisville, nothing was there.
0: Nothing no, at all. No, nothing was there. And now, okay, so we talk about the Syracuse offense, and it relies on the wrong game. NC State has the best rushing defense in the ACC. Okay, bad matchup. You look at the other side of the ball, and I mentioned before, battered offense last season, kind of looking for an identity. And all the cards have kind of fallen into place for a Dave Doran squad. This team has weapons. Yeah. Thayer Thomas in the slot, one of the best slot receivers in the ACC, and no one knows about him. Emeka amezzi is that true prototypical wide receiver one. Senior, 6'3", 220. Just if you built a receiver in a lab, you're going to come out with Emeka Amezi. And now you have your quarterback, Devin Leary, back at home. Against a Syracuse defense that just gave up 41 points.
1: Also, you have to realize there is so much at stake for NC State. I mean, this team is now top three in the ACC and possibly, possibly vying for a spot, you know, in a in a higher bowl game. I, I don't know exactly what it you know looks like in the ACC standings, but when you when it comes to the ACC, could be the
0: Camping World Bowl,
1: right? But when it comes to the ACC. Everyone's talking about Clemson. So when a team like NC State shows out, only loses three games and is ranked top twenty in the nation, you don't really talk about them at, as much because the expectation wasn't, hey, the Wolfpack—they're a talking point coming into the season, right? So, yeah, this is a in team- all fairness, yeah,
0: not to toot my own horn. Please go. I did predict that NC State would be an elite ACC team this year. I did think that Clemson would be best. All right. So I was wrong. But who wasn't? I thought NC State was second. That was a hot take at the time. Okay,
1: and and it was a hot take because of the other competition in the ACC. Yeah,
0: and no one thought that Pip would be the best ACC team. So there's that too. And competition has fluctuated in the ACC this season. But when you look about, when you look specifically at this game, it's funny because Syracuse gets run out of Cardinal Stadium last week by 38, when everything was lined up. Their way. Now, everything's lined up, NC State's way.
1: Right, right. But then you could go to the middle of the season and say, when Syracuse was going up against a Boston College team that many knew were was awful, that this team had everything lined up for them to win that ball game.
0: Oh, of course. I I'm not trying to I, come up I, with a superstitious no, rule I of know. thumb here. Look, that Boston College team did not have a quarterback. Right, they just didn't. Right, and I'll tell you what. If they did have a quarterback, that's a three-possession game for Boston College. What I will
1: say is the narrative you are trying to draw is not a bad one only because you look at the—if I'm going to trace it back to the middle of the season— What I'm saying, I'm not trying
0: to paint a narrative. I'm saying Syracuse gets run out of Cardinal Stadium by 38 when all the chips were over on their side of the table. What reason does a Syracuse fan listening at home right now have to believe that they have any chance against the Wolfpack None. when everything is going NC State's way. Right. No, no fan at home should have any
1: inkling that Syracuse has over a twenty percent chance of winning this game.
0: All right, so we're in agreement. They're gonna lose this game. Right. And the reason is because they're an inferior football team against a surging NC State team. Now, what does Syracuse have to win have to do to win the game? Get to the second level. It's going to be a game one in the trenches. And if you're going to try to win in the trenches, if you're Syracuse, you've likely lost the game because there are a lot of problems with this offensive line, even though it is wildly improved from last year. Still a lot of problems. Syracuse has
1: to play as they did against Virginia Tech. While I was looking at my TV screen watching that Louisville game, I think where everyone was going wrong was saying, "Is Syracuse defense is so bad. Guess what? It's a Syracuse defense that gave up 36 points to Virginia Tech when Syracuse won that game. It's a Syracuse defense that gave up close to 40 points against Wake Forest when the offense really surged in that game. Syracuse's defense isn't going to win the ball game. Syracuse's offense has to go on a complete outburst. I'm fully expecting both teams, if Syracuse has any chance to win this game, to score over 30. That's the only way Syracuse wins. The defense, it's almost inevitable that this defense is going to give up over 30 points. You cannot bank on the defense. Isn't that kind of wild? It is wild. It really is because you look at a season ago, the narrative is so different. A season ago, it's, oh, this Garrett Williams kid can play. Oh, this defense, I mean, before Andre Sisko went and everything happened there. Oh, you got some veterans on that defensive line. Well, that the rover with Tony White's three three five, now all of a sudden it's Garrett Schrader and Sean Tucker. If those two play poorly, you're done. You're out of it.
0: No, you're you are. You're done. And I say get to the second level because maybe that's the one region where you almost feel borderline optimistic because okay. NC State's best defensive player last year, Ali McNeil. He's now playing for the Lions, okay? Third-round pick, really good athlete, refrigerator. Refrigerator in the middle of the defensive line. Okay, so now you don't have to contend with Ali McNeil. Who do you have at the second level? Peyton Wilson's hurt? That's good news. Linebackers are still really good. There's a reason that NC State has the second, rather the best, run defense in the ACC Isaiah Moore's having a really strong year. So, you know, we could talk all we want about the narrative and what Syracuse has to do. Bottom line, NC State's run defense got better without their best run stopper. Let that sink in. Yeah. So, Garrett Schrader, Sean Tucker, as they go, so do the offense. But you mentioned that Virginia Tech game. I kind of think it has to be one of those, and not in the sense that the scoreboard is rung up or anything like that. Garrett Schrader threw the ball in that game. Not because he wanted to, because they had to. Box was stacked. What do you think NC State's going to do against Syracuse? What do you think anyone's going to do against Syracuse? Well, Louisville did. It is. And Garrett Schrader couldn't throw the ball. A couple of reasons for that. Offensive line was deplorable. No time. No, that's the reason that Sean Tucker didn't break the record. It's the reason that Garrett Schrader only had 46 yards in the air. Offensive line was terrible. This game's gonna be one in the trenches. No, Lee McNeil, that's good news. Savion Jackson is a monster coming off the edge. Who's gonna stop him? Matthew Bergeron?
1: No. He's gonna he's gonna jump early. Probably not. Yeah. Oh,
0: <laughs> I can't believe how many penalties.
1: <laughs> okay, I, I'm the type of person that when a false start is called, I wanna guess the number of who's who it's on every single time it's on Syracuse sixty. Yeah. Every time. Yeah. It's happened what? Twenty times this season, and the the other
0: problem with Bergeron is that it's not just false starts or anything like that. You got dead ball fouls too. Yeah, unsportsmanlike conducts and unnecessary. Just some of these some of these penalties against Bergeron are real head scratchers, considering the fact that at this point in his career, you'd be hoping that he's a leader. He's been playing impact time since his freshman year. Now, this is a Syracuse team, and I'll close it out with this before
1: we hit a break and talk some Syracuse men's basketball. You talk about getting to the second level, especially Garrett Schrader and Sean Tucker, because if you can get past the big bodies and contend against the linebackers and the safeties, even the cornerbacks kind of surging in from the outside, it's a Syracuse team that will have – a whole lot more success, Brad, especially because Garrett Schrader and Sean Tucker have proven they're faster than a lot of defensive backs. Now, when we come back here on Fizz Radio, Cameron is here with Brad Klein. We're going to talk a little Syracuse men's basketball because it's a doubleheader, a double game day on this Saturday. Syracuse men's basketball at 5. Just talked football. It'll kick off at 4 down at NC State. We'll be right back. It's Fizz Radio on the Score 1260. Back here on Fizz Radio on the Score 1260, Cameron is there with Brad Klein talking some double game day action. Syracuse football at 4, Syracuse men's basketball at 5. It's set to be a jam-packed day, and we're just covering your, your sports knowledge here in the morning, trying to break it all down for you. We talked football. Let's head over to the hard court. It's basketball time. Syracuse men's basketball, to be specific, a team that's 2-0, and seeking its third straight win in non-conference play, taking on the Colgate Red Raiders. Now, for anyone not familiar with the Colgate Red Raiders, well, I think we have some sort of an expert to my left, Brad. Can you, can you break down this Colgate team? Because for anyone in Syracuse that isn't familiar with the school just 45 minutes away, what should Syracuse
0: expect from Colgate? Well, first of all, if you want some Colgate knowledge, I'll drop this on you. They haven't been the Red Raiders since two thousand one. Really? Yeah. I was shocked too. They're just the Raiders now.
1: So it's interesting. I swear, there's another team, uh, the uh, Boston College. Are they just the Eagles now, or do you still refer to them as the Golden Eagles?
0: No, they're just the Eagles. I think.
1: So that's interesting. Yeah.
0: Hey. Hey, but at least Tampa's still the Devil Rays, right? right? (laughs) True. Okay, so first of all, the Raiders, if you need to know anything about them, they defend the three. They defend it really, really, really well. And we'll get into players in a second. Nellie Cummings is definitely the player to look out for for this team, but last year they were best nationally in three point defense, 24%, and this year. They've taken a step back down to 26% of opponent threes going in. Actually, that's like 40th best in the nation right now, but obviously hey, limited sample size. Limited sample size, and they're going to be up there. And this is a team also, you want to talk about Scouting Report, second best scoring offense nationally. 85 eighty five points per game last season, second to only Gonzaga's 90. So right, this is a team that's going to score. Are going to stop you from scoring, especially from range, which is... Pretty much the worst possible matchup for Syracuse. True. But then again,
1: it's a Syracuse team that has started off well in my opinion, of course against two teams that are, are very lackluster, you know, in a competitive scene, especially except Drexel. I will say they put up, you know, kind of a fight just beat Saint Joseph's. This is a Drexel team that can still compete with the best of them, but it's a Syracuse team that is still trying to establish its identity did so in the second half against Drexel, but Still a long way to go, Joe Girard. A hundred percent from three point range. I will say, if you go to our website, orangefizz.net, I was the only. I was the only person only person on fizz to say that joe gerard would be the best offensive player even though buddy Beheim is averaging 21 points a yeah game. i'm pretty but
0: sure you denoted in that article that it would be two games in that the season would be locked up too you, <laughs> you want your medal now or later I, I will take my medal later
1: with a trophy and maybe a gift card to uh to a restaurant as well. I'll take all of it. What at I'll, you.
0: I'll, I'll take my accolades. We're going to have to wait <laughs> but, for a restaurant to sponsor <laughs> Fizz Radio before I can even suggest anything.
1: But, but, Brad, it's a Syracuse team that is still trying to establish its identity. How does it continue to do so against Colgate?
0: They have their identity. It's three-point shooting. Syracuse has made 50% of their threes through two games. And it doesn't seem like anything significant because it's only two games into the season. But get this, first time ever – that the Orange are 50% from beyond the arc through two games, ever in program history. The three-point line was established in 85. The closest they came, granted, was very close, 49%. 2007, Paul Harris, Orenze Onowaku, Johnny Flynn, Eric Devendorf
1: Right. And it's interesting because this team, one thing that this team has that a lot of teams of, of past don't is – They have an uber amount of experience. You talk about the shooters, the the guys that are going to take the shots, Joe Drada Jr. has experienced two years of college. Buddy Bayheim has done three, he's a senior. Jimmy Bayheim has done four, he's a grad student. Cole Swider has done three, he's a senior. So the guys that are taking the shots have already been confident in their shots since high school, and that was a near five years ago.
0: Yeah, but I think it's interesting because you're right. They're experienced and they're confident in their shot. They have to be confident in their ability to not shoot. Cole Swider is gonna have to put the ball on the floor in this game. Cause bottom line is Syracuse has the size on Colgate. Take advantage of it. Just pound the paint. Yeah, Cole Swider was advertised as a transfer who could shoot and also put the ball on the floor, according to Jim Beheim. So far, we've seen a little bit of that, but definitely out of necessity, Swider wants to shoot. And Beheim said. Defenses are gonna play him very similar to the way they play Buddy Bayheim. They're gonna deny him the ball on the three point line. But at what is he, six foot nine? Cole Swider? Yep. Six foot nine, that frame is gonna play big inside the arc. I'm looking at Cole Swider. I'm looking at Jimmy Bayheim, who, if you ask me, is the best shot creator on the team right now. Take a second for that. I think it's a pretty hot take, but I stand by it. So Jimmy Bayheim's the best shot creator on the team. Cole Swider is there with him. Cole Swider, by the way, you want another one? Best passer on the team. He's not going to get as many assists as Gerard just by osmosis, but Swider is the most intelligent, most skilled passer on this team. If they get inside the arc, it's going to be a dominant Syracuse win. But if they settle, if they try to play "quote unquote" their game going to be a long day at the office it's
1: fizz radio here on the score 1260 cameron is there with brad klein breaking down syracuse men's basketball a matchup with colgate today starting at five now you say that's a hot take but i go back to my experience point and say you know many might believe that buddy Beheim is the best shot creator because he's been in this system long enough and his ability to drive, spin around, take fadeaway shots, whatever, set up inside the paint. I would agree with you that Jimmy Bayheim is because I think that he protects his dribble better than oh, yeah. Bobby Bayheim does. And then Cole Swider, that point, I-, I think Joe Girard still can't get it in his head that, okay – If I need to, and he's done it better this season, but his ability to pass the ball, I think he's a bit lackadaisical when he gets inside the arc. So that's why Cole Swider is so good because you have to—he's not a decoy behind the three-point line. He can shoot the ball, so you have to, yeah, yeah, you have to put your hand up that allows him to go around you. And you're right, when he can locate shooters on the outside, is when this team's most dangerous. That's what they have to do against Colgate. You mentioned the lack of size. Now you have to worry about Jesse Edwards I actually think that although you say you know Syracuse is a great shooting team and Colgate is good at defending the three I think Syracuse actually has more strengths than, than it does playing into the strengths of Colgate because of the amount of players on the Syracuse team that can do multiple things
0: I hear you but I don't know about that one I mean, Colgate has a lot of guys too. So if I'm if I'm trying to balance it out, you know, I'm like, saying offensively. I'm not. Sure. I'm not going on the defensive side. Sure. Okay. So offensively, yeah, they have a lot of guys who can do a lot of different things, more so than people think. Jimmy Bayheim, like I said, best shot creator on the team. I saw in Drexel. I was there for Fizz, hook shots, nifty moves in the lane, and Bayheim's the kind of guy who, yeah, he can protect his dribble well and he can keep it going because he's skilled. But if he's forced to pick it up and if he's forced to Huck up a shot with the shot clock winding down from five, he's going to make something happen. And he's a smart player. He knows how to use his body, and he's six foot eight, maybe even six foot nine. That's what he's listed at, six foot eight. He can use every bit of his frame. And that's the big difference between Buddy and Jimmy, if you ask me. And obviously, Buddy's a better shooter, but Jimmy's going to hold his own. And when he gets in the lane, he's going to use it, and he's going to use it to his advantage. But, you know, if Colgate. Colgate's not going to have much to stop Syracuse if they play to Colgate's disadvantages. It's going to be a shootout if Colgate has their way with it, though.
1: It is. Uh, I think that it, it benefits Colgate that they've played an ACC foe before yeah. in NC State and, and just lost by uh, uh by single digits. So
0: Three points, exactly. a foul at the end for Nellie Cummings fouled Darion Sebron on a questionable call at the end. Hit the two free throws. The last one was a formality. So They were it, that close. This is a Colgate team that can contend. And
1: Nellie Cummins averaging 21 points per game. This is a guy that you know put up 19 against NC State. There are proven scores on this team, and I think it goes back to that first half against Drexel when the Dragons were lighting it up in that first half from yep. deep. I know 33 points isn't lighting it up, but for a Drexel team going against the 2-3 zone, seeing that for the first time... It is because uh, Okros had you know four threes for Drexel in that first half. The shooting finished guard. with sixteen points. So it's a it's a Drexel team that in the first half showed that it could you know match punches with Syracuse on the offensive end, and it's a Colgate team as much more talented on the offensive side than Drexel will ever
0: be. I think that's the concern. Yeah, Drexel was hitting some tough shots though. Some of them were open, but a lot of them you just kind of had to tip your cap to because. Syracuse's zone forced, especially especially in the second half, forced a lot of long possessions, long trips, shot clock dilemmas for Drexel. And I think Syracuse is still figuring it out. Remember, we talk about this team with a lot of different transfers, a lot of different guys. Cole Swider is there, and Jimmy Bayheim is there, and probably the most made-to-order zone defenders Syracuse has seen via transfer portal in a very long time, maybe even ever. But still, there's an adjustment there, yeah. and they're getting a lot better. And the fun- the funny thing about it is that the best zone defender for Syracuse, while Cole Swinder, Jimmy Bayheim Benny Williams gets accustomed to it, you know who the best defender in the zone has been this year? It's interesting. I, I think you're—are you going to say, like, Joe Girard? It is Joe Girard. Yeah. He had three steals against Drexel. Two of them were instrumental in Syracuse's 16-6 run to start the second half, and they never looked back from there. When they were trailing at the break against Drexel, timely defense by Joe Gerard. He knows how to play the zone. Six foot one, frame, bit of an issue, not
1: really. Yeah, I think that this is a Colgate team that is gonna. It's been heavily not just I think I, I know they're heavily reliant on one guy, Nellie Cummings. No other player on that team averages above ten points. Don't per sleep game. on Tucker Richardson uh, though. You, he can fill it up. You're right, nine points per game, but is the guy who plays thirty-three minutes a game. So sure. you're, you're going to see a, a core five for Colgate and expect the offensive production mainly from Cummings. But again. Don't sleep on the rest of the team. And for Syracuse, timely defense and continuing to play well for the entire game. Not just the first or second half, the entire game on the offensive end. That game gets tipped off at 5 o'clock inside the Dome. Syracuse and Colgate SU looking to go 3-0. We're going to take a quick break here on Fizz Radio on the Score 1260. On the other side, we are talking about... Some five-star review. The recruiting class, yes, okay, there's not a lot of names to talk about, but the five recruits that Syracuse has or commits to say that in 2022 all signed their NLIs. That's That's a good sign. We'll talk about it on the other side of the break. This is Fizz Radio on the Score 1260. Five star review. Five star ride. I'd like to share with you one of our five star reviews. Hey, five stars. Oh, yeah, you heard that right. It's five star review here on Fizz Radio on the score 1260. Cameron is here with Brad Klein on this double game day, but we're going to take a step back from the action taking place later today. Again, a four o'clock football game against NC State for Syracuse and a five o'clock tip-off for Syracuse basketball against Colgate. Like I said, let's take a step back. Let's focus on five-star review and the recruits specifically because just a week ago, Brad, these five commits for the class of 2022 all signed their national letter of intent, which is great news, especially because of all the decommitments that Syracuse fans have had to suffer through. And yeah, so hey, if there's one thing to smile over, it's the fact that all five are coming to Syracuse as we know it, and all five are excited to come to Syracuse. That's a good, you know, a good bunch to be happy about, Brad.
0: Yes, finally it's etched in stone. I think Syracuse (laughs) fans have some PTSD based on some unnamed recruits that it wouldn't come. But now they're here. And it's okay. Because, hey, Jim Beheim says this is the best class he's ever had. So... Definitely is. Definitely the best class they've ever had. For <laughs> sure. For sure.
1: <laughs> okay, we, we all know Jim Boeheim's talking up this class because it's the biggest reason why he's choosing to continue to coach, or maybe that's just my philosophy, but that's not the point. The point is all five are coming to Syracuse in 2022. No one knows the weapons that are going to stay in the next season. It could be Joe Girard. It could be Benny Williams. Depends on play and how everyone does. Now, I wanted to focus this segment on heading to – our our website orangefizz.net and checking out an article by Yours Truly talking about these five commits and comparing them to players that are currently on the Syracuse basketball team. Why I think that's important is because we're watching this basketball team form as it is and you know making speculations on how these guys are playing, how these players are performing. So I think it's important to relate it to the most recent information we have about this team. Which is this current team? So we're going to start with the first one, Brad. I just kind of want you to, you know, react to these, uh, you know, these comparisons. So again, our website, orangefizz.net. Check out all our articles, especially our recruiting articles. Cameron is there with Brad Klein on five star review on Fizz Radio on the score 1260. First one, I think this one's pretty obvious. Justin Taylor, I, I think he's, he's, sort of comparable to Buddy Bayheim. What are you thinking?
0: Yes, I agree, but be careful. You're setting him up for failure when you start comparing him to Buddy Bayheim and you have no choice if you're just trying to draw a comparison to anyone on the roster. It's going to have to be Buddy because it's the closest comparison, but he's not going to have Buddy Bayheim's success probably ever. Buddy Bayheim is doing unprecedented things at Syracuse, top 20 preseason player nationally at Syracuse. I don't think Justin Taylor's that caliber of player. That might be his style. Oh, so uh, agreed. But back in 2018-19,
1: when Buddy Bayham first came to Syracuse, very slow start. He averaged seven points per game. So I- I'm not saying Justin Taylor, by his senior year, if he's still here by his senior year, will be on that you know a uh, you know, Player of the Year award watch list in the preseason. I'm not saying that. Of what course. I'm, what I'm saying is play style. I mean, they mirror each other in a lot of ways. You know, the shoot-first type of guard. I completely that agree. That can penetrate the paint. I'm looking at play styles, and I think Justin Taylor actually mirrors Buddy Beheim to a
0: tee. I, complete, I completely agree. All I'm doing is rubbing the crystal ball and telling you what's going to happen, is that he's going to get to campus, people are going to see Buddy Beheim on the quad, and they're going to expect Buddy Beheim on the court. It's not going to happen. Certainly not right away, and like I said... Probably not ever. And by the way, if he never accomplishes what Buddy Bayheim already has, he can still be a very successful player for right. Syracuse. So that's okay. I'm not taking anything away from the kid. I'm just saying those comparisons are very dangerous. Make them because it's accurate, but be careful, Syracuse fans. That's not what you're going to get. That's not what he's going to be, but it's the closest thing.
1: So I think that the best case scenario for Justin Taylor mirroring Buddy Beheim is the longevity of him at Syracuse. If Taylor can stay for all four years like Beheim is doing, I think that's better than Taylor having the, you know, the quintessential success of what Beheim is having. So four years of Justin Taylor, I think would be great. Now let's head over to the uh the point guard room and where Kadir Copeland will soon sit in twenty twenty-two. And I'm going to say that Kadir Copeland, and this was a tough one only because I haven't I've seen enough of Kadir Copeland. I haven't seen enough of Kadir Copeland at you know in high high level competition. I think he'll experience it at IMG Academy. I loved that for him you know going to there for his senior year to play with Taylor and company. I think that Kadir Copeland right now, from what I've seen from him, is kind of similar to Samir Torrance. I really see that because I don't know if Copeland will start off the bat because I do think Joe Girard will come back for a fourth season. And I think Kadir Copeland will be a great bench option that might not be able to shoot with the highest amount of velocity. And on top of that, do I think that Copeland can man the offense? I think he could be a good filler when the starter needs a rest. But right now... Kadir Copeland, in my opinion, is similar to Samir Torrance.
0: I see Samir Torrance in that he's going to be a guard with speed that's going to come in off the bench when Gerard gets tired. I see that. I will say that Samir Torrance is still going to be at Syracuse when Copeland gets here. Gerard's still going to be here probably. I see a very realistic world where Kadir Copeland red shirts his first year. Really? Yeah. I don't. I, I think that could happen. And, and it sounds funny because depth is already a problem for Syracuse. And I, I said that in my postgame article after the Drexel game, and you can even read that from one of our colleagues on orangefiz.net about the depth issue. It is an issue, and it's an issue at the guard spot. But I'm expecting Symeer Torrance to pick it up, and when he does, even a little bit, that's going to be a big relief in terms of that depth abyss right now for Syracuse and Copeland might not be essential.
1: I think that downside for Kadir Copeland is a Bryson Godine type of role only because Joe Gerard and, and Samir yeah. Torrance will most likely still be there in 2022. Now I'll speed things up. We're gonna run past one guy that I don't think many are you know are, are too high on because he came you know, when he committed to Syracuse. He was unranked. I mean, Peter Carey. Uh, and this is in a developmental role, almost anchoring it down like Frank Anselm did his first year.
0: Yeah, I could see that. I, I mean, well, Peter, Car- if I think given the fact that he had no hype coming in, if they got an Anselm, they would be very lucky. I mean, think about what Anselm was out of high school. That's a four-star from prolific prep playing with Jalen Green, who's now playing for the Rockets. Anselm was supposed to be really good, and you've scaled him down. So, Peter Carey's not supposed to be very good. What's going to happen in the same system? Is he going to scale down? What's going to happen there? Maybe he promotes himself. I'm a little wary of Peter Carey in any system. I'm very wary of him in the 2-3 zone more so than I was of Anselm, and look at where that's gotten him.
1: I think that if Peter Carey doesn't hit his ceiling or upside, he has a high possibility of turning into a John Bullock. jock. That's just my opinion. Okay, let's head over to another one. And this one I think is kind of obvious. Chris Bunch, best recruit, best commit in the class. It's Benny Williams. Has to be. His athleticism, his ability to get up and down the floor, his length, his ability. I think Chris Bunch is actually a better shooter than Benny Williams is. I don't think obviously the hype isn't there as much as it was with Williams, but I think it should be. Give me Chris Bunch, almost mirroring mirroring what Benny Williams has done in his first year, albeit it's only been two games.
0: Yeah, I'm a little I'm a little cautious about that. I will say just because we haven't, we don't know what Benny Williams is. So to start comparing a player to Benny Williams is is strange. Athleticism, sure. Uh, frame to grow into, absolutely. So I see it there. I think Chris Bunch needs to be a rich man's Benny Williams, from what I've seen from Williams so far. I don't think the Orange... This is assuming that Williams has a linear growth pattern. And for all we know, it could be an exponential growth come ACC play. He could take a huge step up. But if it's linear, then it's going to be quite a while before he's ready to do what Syracuse fans were hoping he would do, which is be the face of the team. So... You're going to need Chris Bunch to step in and be that super freshman that everyone hopes for. And it, we're just banging our heads against the wall while a Hall of Famer in Bayheim tells us, hey, there's only one mellow. Syracuse fans are just hoping for that mellow over and over again. And if you ask any Joe Schmo Syracuse fan on Marshall Street right now, who's the next Carmelo Anthony from this 2022 class, unequivocally, it's Chris Bunch.
1: Out of this class, not even a question. Yeah. Okay. So final one, it's Malik Brown, the last player to commit to Syracuse, and it kind of came, you know, out of or not the last player it was Chris Bunch, but Malik Brown kind of came out of the blue. You didn't really expect him until we posted a couple articles, and then eyes started to go on him. Now Malik Brown, I have a few question marks next to him. I have no clue. I'm going to be 100% honest with you. Malik Brown is a 4 that in high school played mostly the 5 and is better down low. He's okay in the pick-and-roll game. He doesn't shoot the ball from distance. So he's a 4 lingering toward 5, but he's 6'9". So it's in the college game, he can't be that. He has to be more of that stretch for weapon, but he then can't shoot. Syracuse hasn't had someone like that in a long while. I have no one to compare him to on this year's team.
0: Not this year's team, but I do have an interesting comparison from a previous year. I was thinking Marek Dolajai. No. No way. Yeah. Rick Jackson is going to have to be way wider than Marek Dolezal. He's going to have to be a bruiser down low. Dolajai wanted to be that, never could be that, because he's paper thin. I'm thinking Rick Jackson. Before your time. Okay, yeah, it was. Yeah, so, okay. so Rick Jackson, okay, it's six foot nine, 240 when he graduated, by the way, so Brown has a ways to go. But if he can grow into his frame, Jackson played from 07 to 2011. This is a guy who is a bully, I mean, just an absolute bully down low. So he's going to beat you with his physicality. Malik Brown's not going to shoot. In today's game, you're right, Syracuse doesn't have a player like that on this roster. That's by design. I think Bayheim's bringing in Brown to be that contrast.
1: We have a Rick Jackson reference here on Fizz Radio. That's a compliment, uh, by the, the way. Right? That's a huge compliment. I know, for, for a guy that has so a lot of potential coming into college. On the other side of the break, we're heading out to the Twitterverse as Fizz Nation gets their word in here on Fizz Radio. This has been Five Star Review on Fizz Radio on the Score 1260. We're going to take a quick break. Cameron is there. Brad Klein. We'll be right back with Fizz Feedback. Wrapping up shop here on Fizz Radio on the Score 1260. Cameron is there with Brad Klein. We're heading out to Twitter. We're heading out to Fizz Nation. You guys get your word in. And we talked about football, talked about basketball, talked about the recruits. It's a busy day in Syracuse sports. Double game day, 4 o'clock. Football kickoff down in NC State, five o'clock basketball tip off in the dome against Colgate. But we're talking Fizz feedback, we're talking Fizz Nation. So Brad, hit me. What we got?
0: Oh, the first one comes in on the hardwood. Will Syracuse basketball beat Colgate? Straight up, Fizz Nation. We asked, they answered big time. Eighty-eight percent of Fizz Nation saying yes by more than ten points. He had three options. It was either yes by ten, fewer yes by ten, or fewer. No, they'll lose. And and only 2% saying that they'll lose. So I feel like those are all the Colgate fans Uh, following Orange Fizz. All all those in Hamilton, right? Yeah. So (laughs) I got to tell you, though, I disagree. Under 10 points is where I would have gone. Colgate's a good team. A lot of people are taking them for granted. They almost beat Arkansas last year in the NCAA tournament, they were up by 14 at one point. Ended up losing by 17 because Arkansas went on a stupid, ridiculous run. But Colgate probably should have won that game. So give me Syracuse
1: 87-70. to 70. Oh,
0: we're going scores. I,
1: I, I'm right away. I'm just shooting it out. All there. right, so you're with the 88%. Yes, but I'm, I'm going to give Syracuse 87 points.
0: Oh, okay. 87-70, yep. All right, all right, we'll do this. Uh, Syracuse... <sighs> Syracuse... 75. Colgate, 72.
1: Wow. Wow. Okay. So a close one in the dome. I'm saying Joe Girard has one heck of a ball game. Doesn't shoot 100% from three. That clip doesn't add up. But I will say he'll start the season 10 for 10. Okay. Now let's head to our second Fizz Feedback. Brad.
0: Go to the gridiron now. Will Syracuse beat NC State? Go bowling. What do you think? Either Syracuse is going to go bowling, the Orange narrowly lose, or NC State blows SUL. Syracuse narrowly loses. All right. The
1: vote goes to NC State, a blowout. I'm not surprised because of the Louisville result, 41-3 to on the opposite end for Syracuse. But I do think Syracuse will keep this one close because Sean Tucker, for some reason, has the uncanny ability of doing well against good rush defenses. I think Garrett Schrader will have an okay day. That's why Syracuse falls short. The defense will once again be abysmal. Give me NC State 30, Syracuse 20.
0: Is Garrett Schrader going to spike the football on fourth down?
1: (laughs) No, but he will. I mean, I think that a lot of
0: Syracuse fans will spike their heads into a lot of couches (laughs) after this loss. All right, well, I'm going to go NC State a blowout, I think. I think that's the way to go. It's just the Superior team. It's in their home field, on their home field. They got their quarterback back. Ricky Person's really good. No one's talking about him right now. I think he's having a down year just waiting to explode against a pretty poor su rush defense so i'll go nc state handedly and the final one let's put two and two together how do you feel about syracuse's chances of making that bowl game okay. oh, it's tough. bet your house on it 50 50 no chance those are I, your options
1: i don't own a house so i can't bet my house on it uh 50 50 or no chance that's
0: your logic that's
1: my <laughs> that has to be my logic Give me,
0: bet your bindle stick on it.
1: <laughs> Give me 50 50. The reason I'm not saying no chance is because you're back in the dome. I think the only reason Syracuse has a chance is against Pitt in the dome. If NC State was in the dome, i pick Syracuse over NC State. I really do. All right, so the vote
0: 50 50 not coming to fruition. It's no chance. 52% of Fizz Nation pessimistic here against two top 25 teams. And maybe it's pessimism, maybe it's realism, but I'll tell you. How many people
1: have houses that are uh, betting their house on it?
0: (laughs) Yeah, most of Fizz Nation just subletting right now. (laughs) Jeff Abramo, shout out to you for the comment, saying, no chance is too aggressive, but less than 50-50. So he wants to kind of split the difference, me too. 50-50 against two really good teams, that seems a little generous. You're saying that there's a 50% chance they win, they go one and one against two ranked teams. That's tough. But they have a chance. Do you
1: think that Syracuse beats Pitt if they lose to NC State? I know we're if they lose ahead. to
0: NC State, it doesn't mean that they will beat Pitt, I'm but they have no. a chance to beat Pitt if they lose to do NC you State. Think,
1: okay, right now at this moment, we're winding down Fizz Radio. Do you think they beat Pitt?
0: No, I don't okay. think they beat Pitt.
1: Okay. That's fair. That's fair. I, I, <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't put no. my house
0: on that game either. I will say this though. I've been watching a lot of Syracuse football for a very long time. Whether Syracuse is ranked. Pittsburgh is ranked or neither or both. Always a close game. They always play each other time. So there is an element of wipe it off a little bit because you know it's going to be a close game and maybe Kenny Pickett gets the equalizer, gets that difference.
1: Syracuse has a doubleheader today. Syracuse basketball starting at 5. Syracuse football at 4. We hope you enjoy this a rendition of Fizz Radio on the Score 1260 for Brad Klein. I'm Cameron there. Make sure to follow our Twitter at OrangeFizz and go on our website, OrangeFizz.net, to read all of our articles and watch all of our Fizz Radios. Enjoy the double game day, everyone.